There's a time to record and a time to kill. The ketchup is is semen. All tummies are different, I guess, Tom. Well, I'll be the judge of that, Maddie. Where's your nutmeg? So welcome to the unintended audience. This is a podcast that proves that people can find enjoyment in unexpected places. Sure, I mean, we all use toothpaste, right? Mm-hmm. Every day, well, I don't know if you used it, but I used some this morning. I, I do, I use it this morning. And you can use it every morning to brush your teeth and maybe at nighttime before bed to make sure you've got healthy teeth and gums. Sure, so yeah, you can use toothpaste, you know, like toothpaste on your teeth, or, right. or you can use it to uh, clean carpet stains. Huh. Okay. Yeah, or you could use it to clean cell phone screens, mm-hmm. or or clothing stains, uh, or crayon on paint on uh, walls. That wouldn't work. Uh, you could uh, you can use it to clean leather. Is it just cleaning, or are you just going to name other things you can clean with? Uh, fine. You can use it to fix your blemishes on your skin. You can use it if you have a bruise. You can put toothpaste on your bruise, and it will help heal the bruise. Faster. I mean, none of us are going to have health insurance anymore, so you got to find alternate methods. Bug bites. Toothpaste is great for that. Burns. Toothpaste can we just, is great for that. We'll sum it chrome, up. Chrome. Toothpaste can shine up chrome. Well, diamonds. Well, it'll I, shine up diamonds. I think we just say you can use it as a hair gel. Tom, I would. Toothpaste. I would say a lot of things. There's a lot of alternate uses for toothpaste. Yeah. It's a good example of what we talk about. Yeah. Let's move on. So uh, so I'm, I'm Tom. Tom loves his toothpaste, and I'm Maddie. <laughs> I just use it to brush my teeth. All right. So so what are we talking about today, Maddie? Well, I think <clears throat> this week we decided after we chatted last episode about uh, mukbang, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, to catch people up was a, uh, a video thing that happens over, was it South Korea that it yeah. started? Um, and it's folks that... Eat a meal, mm-hmm. uh, a really well presented, beautiful meal. They yep. video themselves mm-hmm. and they put it up on YouTube. And people, there's a huge audience there. Um, you went into the, you did your research for once mm-hmm. and found out that it's a cultural thing over there that these folks, uh, it's they place a lot of importance on family meals and togetherness and yes. eating together. Yeah. Um, so people, it started off as that, but then it migrated and it moved and it went all over the world and. Now everyone has their own flavor. Yeah, Tom. E- even Wendy. Even Wendy. Wendy's got an eating show. So where where where, where she sits in her car and eats whoppers. And is this this people. is where you're going to splice in a little <laughs> clip of Wendy eating? I probably will. All right, yeah. excellent. Uh-huh. Um, As you can see right here, these are special cheeto noodles just for Wendy's eating show. <laughs> Shall we get started? Best hot Cheeto noodles I've ever tasted. So <laughs> I think what that got us thinking about is mm-hmm. the, that the stuff that gets created all over the world, um, you know, it can be very culturally based or locally based, mm-hmm. but sometimes it like leaves its borders. It, it, it goes outside of South Korea, it hits here in the States, it hits elsewhere, and they kind of put their own flavor on it. Yeah, so so today we wanted to explore that a little bit more. We thought that was such an interesting idea, so we wanted to see, you know, talk about other examples of that happening. But before that, we need to take a moment and talk about how we were wrong. The Kind of many things we got wrong on the last episode. I think we hit a new high last episode. Oh, yeah. Yep. Who We're getting we... a little little ambitious, Maddie. I think it's biting us in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I thought we knew about food. We do not know about food. No. No. Um, so do you want to kick us off or you want me to start? Yeah, you start. So 
I think the first thing I want to say, and this wasn't from the last episode. This was actually from two episodes back. Uh-huh. I've been harping on this one. Mm-hmm. Bob Ross is dead. He <laughs> definitively, without a doubt, the man. I just, I just love that we had a segment about how you were wrong, and then you got something wrong. Uh, in the wrong, yeah. Oh, really? Is he died in '95? So this is almost like meta, mm-hmm. right? Is that? What, yeah. I don't know these terms, but I believe yeah. this is a meta apology. Yeah, he's dead. Yep, he died exactly. I did my research, Tom. He died on the 4th of July, July 4th, 1995. So rest in peace, Bob. We've already apologized for calling you a bad artist. Now we're apologizing for not knowing the details of your life and death. Now he can go to the light. He he can. He's been waiting. He's been waiting. The time is now, Bob. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I want to apologize real quick one. I I said uh, Ina Garden. It's Ina Garden. I, I just know that that pisses off did you, a lot of people. Did you Google that and hit the where it does the pronunciation I had someone, for you? A friend of mine text me. A close personal friend mm-hmm. of Ina. <laughs> yeah. No, just a gay guy who, like, uh, who likes that show. So somebody that you told, listen to my podcast, and all they could hear was you mispronouncing mm-hmm. that name. Yep, that was pretty much all that they remembered from That's the a, entire show. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to say Tom in the last episode, the food episode, maybe. I mean, he did say he wasn't sure, but he implied that we could fit a gallon of food in our stomach. It's like a gallon of food you can have in your stomach. Okay. And that's like normal. Yeah, that doesn't, didn't, seem, didn't seem right. That didn't seem it? right to no. me. I let it go at the time. <laughs> I'm just going to put out there for legal reasons and personal reasons. That's just wrong. It's Why? flatly wrong. And then I said the stomach could expand to six or seven times that. And it does expand. You couldn't. You can get more than it was a liter. And then you said something you about if you if you took a garbage truck apart, that you, a person <laughs> could eat all the pieces of the garbage truck. That's not true. Yeah, I think that's true. And six <laughs> gallons, you couldn't fit a whole garbage. Yeah, truck. I'm just. I mean, that's like an entire garbage bag of stum- of food in your stomach. In any event, this might be wrong as well, <clears> but my Google research <clears> indicated <throat> a liter. Yeah, your stomach is about a liter. I don't know when you stretch it out or professionals, but please, God, don't eat a gallon of food and think you're going to be okay. Yeah, I'll take this. I'll take this next one. I th- I do want to say we this was totally totally on accident. We did not mean to do this. It just happened that when we were trying to find videos of people doing weird things with food, all the people starring in them that we kind of I don't think we really. We made fun of people a little. Well, maybe we made fun of people a little bit, but they all happen to be women, and I do feel kind of bad thinking about that. We, we, we didn't. We didn't like go and be like, let's find all the weird things that women do with food. Oh, good lord! She's spitting it on a big tray of fries. What? And then, then, then make have people think it's a it's a miso- misogynist woman thing. It's not that. It just happened to sort of work out that way. But I did want to apologize for that. But I would also say that I think there is a preponderance. Like if you do a little mm-hmm. bit of Google video searching, there's got to be like all the quick, the, the, the research we did, it was, I mean, it just so happened that most of the videos that pop up happen to be women involved in but, these. But also if you, if you spend, there's, there's a million of them with dudes. It's, it's a, it's not, it's really not a gender thing. It yeah. does kind of happen to, if the first ones that come up, maybe just because it's weirder to see a woman because, you know, socially it's a little less acceptable for women to be doing weird things on camera and therefore they come up first in social results. But plenty of dudes do weird stuff with food, clearly. Yeah. Um, 
Also a fat shamed rate, Wendy. It's just a fatty eating a burger. I apologize, Wendy. Wendy's eating show is very popular. Lots of people like it. And honestly, she's really, really, really kind of cool when like when you like watch her show. She's got a thing going on. I've she's, watched she's, you. You inspired me to watch a few episodes. She She's doing what we're doing, which is trying to make something but entertaining But on fucking people. camera. On video camera. And guess man. what? She is doing way better than we are. Yeah, she's got a million views. <laughs> more than, Way more than that. She's got... She's got twenty two hundred thousand people follow her. We, we got none, so you <laughs> yeah. know, fuck us. We're totally wrong. So, Wendy, Sorry, if you're Wendy. out there, you want to be on the show? We'd yeah. love to talk to you. I don't know. No, you I, don't want. to I don't talk know if I really get along with her, but it has nothing to do with their weight. It's just you know. Think we're different people. You are different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, Wendy. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, women of the world. Um, Tom and I are going to do our best to find weird things about men mm-hmm. in future episodes. Yeah. Which shouldn't be hard. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that on the other end of that, our uh, dating episode pretty much primarily focused on men doing stupid things, right? True. Yeah. So I guess it goes in either direction. Yeah. going here so what do we want to talk about first well i think we again we're, we want to dive into this subject of things that start off in one culture or really associated with a culture and then they jump outside of those boundaries and kind of uh, go international mm-hmm. um, and i think you'd agree with me that america does this a lot right mm-hmm. and because it's america we do it really poorly yes a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um examples of these are are pretty quick to come by you know you think about it for a minute and you're going to come up with something like this the the thing and 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 kind of a a coin a term that i coined uh, i think this is sort of ignorant appropriation ignorant appropriation sure it's so it's like the thought that what you go to get at taco bell is what you're going to get if you take a trip to mexico precisely yeah and another food one that like jumped into my head when we were thinking about this was Mm. Outback Steakhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I've never been to Australia. A taste of Australia. I probably will never go, (laughs) right? But I just can't comprehend that the food there would be anything approaching what is served at an Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, it's just a a themed restaurant. Right. With uh, people on the commercials speaking in Australian accents. Right. Um, but it's, I can't be like Australia. Can it? No, I'm sure it can't. I mean, A, I assume they eat good food in Australia, Mm -hmm. right? So strike one, uh, strike two. Uh, I I just have to imagine that kangaroos on the menu more readily in Australia, right? They're everywhere. Wait, do they eat kangaroos? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an alternate red meat. All right. Um, we, this could be a, we were wrong. (laughs) I didn't. I'm, I didn't know that. I think you could go out uh, here in Philadelphia and go buy yourself some kangaroo if you were so inclined. Cool. Um, but I think it was also part of this wave of Australia madness that mm-hmm. kind of swept. I think Outback came a little later. But remember uh, when we were younger in the 80s, this Australia madness was just everywhere. You had yeah. Crocodile Dundee. You had like koalas and kangaroos. On. This is a knife. Yes. Remember that? I do remember that. That was a good one. People drinking terrible, terrible Foster's beer. He had a, uh, he had a teeth tooth necklace. He did. It was an alligator, a oh, crocodile. I guess more than likely... 
guy. More than likely, Crocodile Dundee was wearing a crocodile tooth necklace, not an alligator tooth necklace. <laughs> but but remember remember what a fish out of water he was when he went to New York? He didn't know how things it was worked. Delightful. Oh. I mean, no one saw that coming. Uh, yeah. It was just a coming-of-age movie about... A country boy in the big city. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that was a feature. Outback is kind of like, was the culmination. Like all that shit that came before it, Mm -hmm. we ended up with Bloomin' Onions. That's what it was building up until. (laughs) Can you think of any of these in America um, that really stick out for you as like when we just like missed the mark? Yeah, I mean, what I would say is uh, is something coming up. Um, what is it tomorrow or the next day? When exactly is St. Patrick's Day? Worst Irish guy ever, Tom. I'm going to say I don't know. I think I it's think tomorrow. It's Saturday. I think, no, I tomorrow. think it's tomorrow. Okay. I think it's the 17th. I'm pretty sure it's March 17th. Anyway, this is a this is a holiday where we supposedly celebrate the Irish culture, and it's just a, a day to drink beer, perpetuating a stereotype on a otherwise rich and probably interesting culture. But all we know about it really is that there are a bunch of people that get in fights and drink a and lot drink. of beer. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other odd thing about St. Patrick's Day here and how this is so strange to me. I mean, it's it's a holiday, right? It's celebrating St. Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, he did what he did, which again, we were wrong. Uh, I don't know. We got to try. Man. I mean, everyone, the snakes out of Ireland, <laughs> we're really just phoning it in, uh, the snakes out of Ireland story, you know, uh, but I think he actually, his sainthood en- encompassed more than that. He actually did do some real life things as well, <laughs> but he was Irish, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe. Maybe he was Irish. (laughs) Yeah, I I think what we've done is we've turned St. Patrick's Day and other holidays into just, it's a party excuse. It's an excuse to get together, um, which is fine. But then also it's baked in now where it's people can just wander out in public and do whatever the heck they want to do. It's just odd that it's so tied to a, a particular culture in a very disingenuous way. But I I mean, this isn't just us (laughs) that takes this stuff and gets it wrong, right? Right. So I've never been to the Far East. I've never been to Japan or Mm -hmm. China. Um, I I wish I could. I just, you know, it's a long way and a lot of money. Sarah had the benefit when she was younger, uh, right after high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. She went on a trip over to Japan and China. And one of the odd things she noticed over there that she told me about when she came home was that people seem to wear T-shirts and sweatshirts and hats that just had random American words on them. Like, we're used to seeing slogans, you're wearing a Star Trek T-shirt right now, right? Or, we're you know, um, seeing... I I love these. These these are all shirts with... (laughs) That, I mean, look, that look like a, a shirt with a meaningful slogan. Right, on like it. it's saying, like, you know? keep on keeping on, or mm-hmm. I don't know, like, uh, don't let the pigs get you down. Or But, th- but this one says, um, <laughs> says, crap your hands, make noise. Crap? C-R-A-P. C-R-A-P, your hands. So that's just like a little typo. But I like the more, but, but here's another one. It says, I love, and then casino is is uh, an acronym so it's a casino for casino and then and then the words for all the letters are cash that's okay that's appropriate alcohol that's it's still appropriate sound 
Okay, I guess casinos have sound. They do. Kind of anything that's not in a vacuum has sound. (laughs) They're reaching a little on the ass. Intellectuals. Nope. Okay. (laughs) And omelet. (laughs) Omelet? Yeah. Uh, Did you... Here's another one. A head is lengthened and it waits for it. And it's got a picture of a giraffe. I gotta go back. Did you misspell casino? (laughs) Or did you skip some words? (laughs) Oh! Uh, you skip the Casio. End? It's Casio? Yeah, it's even worse. It's, I love Casio. I thought Casino like kind of made some sort of sense, but no. Casio, wow. It's I love Casio. All right, fair and enough. And it's, it's not the uh, brand. It's just the word Casio. And I don't think this is limited to Japan. I think I've heard from others that they've been other places and seen the same thing. It's like English has a certain cachet yeah. uh, around the world that I, maybe because we – have a lot of products and things that we end up right. selling to people um, that are in English. So they're used to maybe seeing English words. So mm-hmm. just seeing an English word is maybe a indicator that it came from the West. I don't know. But like the ones that I saw that made me, there was one that just said hamper. Yeah. There's like one that said like dumpster. Yeah. I mean, they just take literally any word that they can find. They put it on a shirt. They put some glitter on it. And people will wear it. Yeah, well, it's, it's more like the it, – it's it's just about the presentation of the word and the font and the placing of the font as yeah. opposed to the meaning at all. And I what I don't know is do they know it's a nonsense or a random word? Yeah. I don't or know. is it truly like they're just sight unseen or sight seen and no understanding just buying this thing i mean it's like when people put japanese characters as tattoos or or they use some other culture's symbolic or religious symbol as a tattoo just because it looks neat um this also happens in uh, again japan uh was the one that came up for me but there's this um and and as probably one of the whitest people i know i'm not overly familiar with hip-hop culture, especially in Los Angeles, but there is a uh, kind of a Mexican uh, cholo, Chicano music and style of dress in Los Angeles. Right. And people, young kids in Japan, these uh, very straight-laced Japanese teenagers one day are emulating uh, these rappers from uh, Los Angeles. So they have websites and they listen, they have the the albums and things that they're listening to and the dress. Uh, they... Which, which honestly, I mean, it, that's, that's, that's fine. It, it's, I wonder if we're, we're, we're getting dangerously close of, I mean, you know, Japanese folks can like hip hop and look tough. It, it's, they can, and I, I, I'm not saying that they can't or shouldn't. Yeah. I'm saying that the world, um, you know, there's this concept, especially Japan, of a very, I don't say stodgy, but they've got this very, like, his, uh, they're very proper. You know, mm-hmm. that's the impression that the world has of Japan. It's right. everyone is really mindful of the society. They try to be good citizens. Right. Uh, it's you know, a bit from an outsider, it appears a little controlling there. Well, um, yeah, I mean, they, they there's a strong respect for rules and and organization, and you know. So I think it's great. that's what makes something like this stick out. It's just so, and of course, in a culture like that, this yeah. kind of thing would—that's exactly where this kind of thing would be appealing. Yeah, to be totally different and it's, totally out there. It's a very 
unexpected group of people to be wearing yes <laughs> wearing, wearing these clothes that are that are worn by very different types of people i just really like that image um well so, you know kid kid kids will be kids you're gonna rebel man kids will be kids yeah. um i think it's really interesting when when something from another culture really rings true with with another culture but it doesn't it doesn't change it just it is what it is an export yeah, something is exported, and in, for the exactly the same reasons that it's popular in that one culture, it also, for some reason, is really popular in another culture for exactly the same reason. So it's not changed. Right. It's just like surprisingly, oh, we like that too. Like for example, um, the Great British British Baking Show. That I love that show. I love it. It's I've so good. Not seen it. So give me a. It's delightful. It is absolutely. So it's a reality show where they have contestants who are not professional bakers. So usually when you see these um, these reality shows about food, they have these really cutthroat, uh, really successful restaurateurs. Who Somebody want to, like a, like an Ina Garden. Uh, well, no, she is she is way too cool to be on a reality so Ina, competition. So well, Ina would not be on one no, of these shows. absolutely not. Would Ina, Ina would be, be on one of these shows? <laughs> I, oh, it's Ina, yes. <laughs> Ina would. All right. Damn it. No, Ina, Ina wouldn't. All right. Ina would not be on one of these. So they're not Ina professional bakers. They're not they're professionals. Baking. They're, they're just, they're just um, amateur bakers, and, they, and, and they, they do it in their free time. But they're not using the show as a prop to open up a chain of restaurants or, like, get a bunch of fame. They're, they're just using it to, like, win a talent composition, a competition. So is it like uh, you get knocked out as you go and yeah. like a smaller, smaller pool same, and then there's a winner? Same deal. Like American Idol kind of a thing, but with bacon. Or name any, <laughs> any show that is on right now. I think it's amazing that the exact same uh, the exact same formula that Survivor c- created, which is still on the air, by there's the way. There's now 20 variations of it. No, there's not even – no, there aren't many variations. They're all, they all do the same thing, which is just the, they have an elimination every, every yeah. episode. It's no, I'm, by variation, I mean it's an elimination show. Yeah. But it's like you're exercising your ninja skills. Yes. You're baking, and we're going to yeah. see if you're the best baker. You're, you're we're going to see if you can lose the most weight. You're making clothes. You're the best drag queen. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's a whole lot of It's them. the whole thing. Yeah. It's like all, the, all of life is just one big... Actually, Tom and I are having a contest right now. Mm-hmm. Only one of us will make it out of this <laughs> podcast. And then it's going to be a really... Really, um, it'll be less interesting. Episode, it'll be episode. might be a little less exciting. I kind of think it's our back and forth, Maddie, that makes this at all entertaining. We're getting to the point where you could be doing this with like a Google Home or an Alexa, <laughs> though. Like this could just be a call and response. That would be interesting. It would be interesting. <clears throat> um, anyway, bit it, I want to I want to explain why this is so. It's it's that thing. But it's it's so sweet and nice, and you're rooting for everybody, and there's not that bullshit drama that they always bake in, so to speak, <laughs> to, to, to the other shows. Um, it's uh, it's just it's a lovely show that is based on, and the people that are judging the uh, the the bakers are like are very critical of their stuff, but they're not dicks to them okay. they're, they're genuinely helpful like all their feedback they try to be be nice and helpful so and, this, and try to they help them learn like americanize this so so yeah so the so the british one was on pbs right. and everyone watched and they got really good ratings 
Um, and and the, and the American people like it for exactly the same reason as the British people like it. It's just a lovely, delightful show. They did try to Americanize it. And actually, they like they purposely, in the American version, didn't try to change it all that much. They even had the same British people on it. They yeah. just had American contestants. Okay. It didn't work. Huh. It was not the same. It just yeah. wasn't, wasn't as good. It's just there's something about watching these like little british people with their accents you know talking about baking it's oh it's just i just want to love it <laughs> you just want to what move to england so yeah so, Bake. <laughs> so so another one of these is is hello kitty like so i mean i have a vague recollection of hello kitty and i know it's still out there you still see it i mean people still have bags uh uh, I don't know why I always come back to like trapper keepers. Mm-hmm. School supplies is what I think of when I think yeah. of Hello Kitty. It's like everything. pencil cases. Yeah, um, but it's been around forever, right? Yeah. Well, it, I think um, I think it was started around the '70s. So in the, in the and around the '70s, I think is when it sort of popped up in Japan. It got popular there. It could have been a little bit later, but it really got popular here in the '90s. Um, sort of when we had this retro thing happening in our in our culture. Um, and so it was, it was marketed for little girls as it was in Japan, Right. but it has since become this much bigger thing that lots of people like. And I think, and so there's this woman, Helen McCarthy, she wrote a bunch of books on this kind of stuff. And so she's like, she said, you know, Hello Kitty stands for innocence and sincerity and childhood and the simplicity of the world. And if you look at, and and the fact that Hello Kitty doesn't have like, a mouth and doesn't have actually much to her face. You can kind of put your desires for those things onto that and everyone can do it. It was just a really effective marketing campaign for this idea of childhood innocence. Hello Kitty is just a blank slate. Yeah. Which is like, which is you can do in any culture. I just think it's interesting that like this is started in Japan, but lots of people connect with that. Oh yeah, I mean, and and they made a buttload of fucking. I'm <laughs> sure they off have. of this drawing, right? So yeah, I mean, Hello Kitty, the Great British Baking Show. These are things that they migrated over the ocean. Mm-hmm. People here in America found they found some kindred spirits over here. Yeah, they took off. We've yeah. also have some local uh, culture and local celebrity that overseas just loves. I mean. France had their uh, Jerry Lewis, right? They just loved that guy, thought he was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, And more recently, one of our our finest exports, uh, certainly our most leather-clad, David Hasselhoff. Well, David Hasselhoff is a huge star in Germany where his syndicated series Knight Rider places a consistent second behind Baywatch in the ratings, which once again proves my old theory, Germans love David Hasselhoff. (laughs) And I mean... Germany just went bananas over David Hasselhoff. I love they, David Hasselhoff. They made a connection there. Yeah. Um, he was around. He's a singer, for those that don't know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think at the time that The Wall was coming down in the mid to late 80s, uh, I guess he was around or had a, a popular song and performed in the area and just, like, struck a nerve with those good Deutschlanders. Yeah, it's. I think that it's really interesting how David Hasselhoff, like, uh, you know, he, he's certainly very popular in the U.S. He's he's been in lots of TV and stuff, and certainly during the '80s, he had a big. He, he was very he was on TV all the time, very popular star. But 
I mean, it's not like we're trying to boost his ego and be like, be on our podcast, right? I mean, that would be fucking amazing, but that is not what we're doing right now. No, no. But, you know, I would... I'd rather have the voice of Kit. If we could get the guy that did the voice of Kit, and then we could have him say whatever we wanted Kit to say. New intro. Yeah, (laughs) like new show. Oh, absolutely. That's the whole show. Kit could do all the little... Little little uh, interstitial things. Oh yeah, yeah. Your editing, segments. all your editing yeah. would be so much easier. Oh man, be so good. But they they loved him, and I mean, uh, there was. I mean, David David Hasselhoff is is an interesting example of how, you know, a a, a cultural thing in one culture, if it gets to another culture, the right place at the right time. And hits a nerve, it could just explode. Yeah, I mean, I never I don't ever think he was. I mean, he was big, but he was never huge here, right? I mean, like oh, I mean, Kit Knight Rider, like that was pretty big. Baywatch was on TV forever. It was kind of a big deal, I guess. But uh, but, but David goes over there. Has the Hoff goes over to, to Germany <laughs> as and he sings as, he prefers to as the Berlin Wall is 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 coming down. He sings this song of his. I we're gonna for freedom. We're going to fact check this, but I think when he hit the highest note in his song is when the wall actually started crumbling. That's exactly what I mean. He, 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 no one had touched the wall yet. He starts singing this song. No one's even around. They start, they hear it. They, they, they hear him singing. There are a couple little kids are playing soccer. They go over to, to see him. <laughs> what they do in Germany. It's, children love it. Football yeah. Yeah. over Fo- there. Yeah. They, they, they start seeing him. on, And then, you know, someone on the other side of the wall, they hear it. It's just such a great song. Huge they crowd drop, gathers. They drop their pretzels and bratwurst. Yep. Huge, huge crowd gathers on either side of the wall. He hits that note. Blasts. A huge hole in that wall. The amazing thing is when he points yeah. at the exact oh. moment that it starts falling that is, down. That was incredible. I mean, That's exactly how it happened. There's a lot of clips on YouTube. Yeah. Just go look this up. It's yeah. worth watching at least once. If you've got children, make sure they're in the room. Mm-hmm. This is history. Yeah. So um, after he after he sang that song, it just became really popular, and it was a really really big kind of funny thing for Americans to say how huge David Hasselhoff is. Like, it was a game but. changer. Some, some say that Reagan uh, was the one that made this all happen, but mm-hmm. people know the real history. It was the Hoff. It was the Hoff. Yeah. Are there any uh, stars that you can think of or other examples of shows like that, that you've connected with? I mean, yeah, there's, I, I there's a, there's a certain show called absolute, absolutely fabulous. Un- unaware. Yeah, it's because you're you're one of these straights. So <laughs> no, I'm aware of it. I won't pretend like I don't know. What I don't know is why you and like most of my friends are so fucking obsessed with that show. And you're, you're gay friends. So <laughs> the ab ab fab is it, it, we it's you know it's really mainstream and popular in in Britain and it, it had a huge audience over there, but uh, but for some reason it also really was a real cult classic because it started over here, I think on Comedy Central was who got syndication rights. And so, so it got this huge gay audience in the nineties and it's like, like why is it that this one show that's really popular has widespread appeal in one culture 
gets ported over here and only gay men like it basically it's i'm british humor has it's a uh, there's also there's british humor british sci-fi has a very particular kind of vibe to it and it yeah it's there are times when it kind of clicks and works like i'm thinking uh, monty python or doctor who where sometimes it makes it over yeah. um and people kind of uh, grab onto it mm-hmm. Abfab was one I remember when it came over. I remember when Comedy Central, I think it was, started yeah. playing the episodes. And I, I loved Monty Python when I was a kid, and I loved uh, British. The only thing I didn't like was Benny Hill. I still, I just don't get oh, it. No, just don't get no. it. No, no, no. It's also like you can't see what you can't see is Tom and I are being chased around the table right now by scantily clad women. And a Bobby somehow. Yeah. I didn't even know he had those in Philadelphia. Um, but I gave AbFab a try when I was a kid. I was probably too young, A. Because, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's about, it's like drinking. Uh, it's about, like, doing uh, terrible things to people, right? Yeah. Or, uh, it's like, they're it's, they're not great people, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's starring two female protagonists. And, and I, one of them is the, the, so three, the other person is the daughter of one of them. Right. And, you know, they, they I think it's the, the friendship between those two people mimic the friendship between gay men in a real, really interesting way. It's like, they genuinely love each other. So first of all, underneath all of those biting comments and witty back and forth right. is a genuine love, which they do... If the show didn't have that, it wouldn't be a good show. So, like, underneath that is definitely there. You're referring, of course, to Patsy and Adina? Yes. I actually did forget their names, but yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Patsy and Adina. Is it Adina? I think it's Oh, Adina. God damn it. I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't... We were wrong. I forgot. <laughs> so, anyway, I know it's Patsy. Anyway, so they're... they're and I, I haven't watched a lot of this show. Yeah. Um, but they, they join the... But I, I know the gist, and they're constantly putting each other down. Um, they have a hard time sincerely showing emotion so they do it through telling jokes and making fun of each other and that's definitely what gay men do with each other yeah they also do a ton of drugs and they smoke um and they drink all the time right they they don't i guess the one has a kid but like that they are not exactly family focused they don't have responsibility yeah they're they're not that is not what they they're 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 basically pretty leaving pretty selfish lives okay um you know, but also, I think they're lonely people, um, too, which is kind of a kind of a downer. But I think there's a lot of that in in the gay community, and and I think that they identify with that. Also, just generally, the show you can easily do impressions of them, which which gay men love to do. And we have a friend of ours that constantly quotes uh, quotes episodes, lines from these shows. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd have to, maybe I should give it a shot at some point. It's just, and God, it's so, it's getting on what? 30 years old, 25 years old. Yeah. But people still, well, they had like, that watch. movie. They just, yeah, they just they, had that's that movie. Correct. So they just still, came together for a movie. It's still a thing. And it's genuinely smart and you know, it's a good show, but it just, it, it really, really hits with this one specific audience not so much with the rest of the American audiences. Sitting right here across the table from <laughs> well, you. And you can compare this with, with another British show that was that was translated and Americanized really successfully was Sanford and Son, which is a show about African American people in um who were like they're working in a junkyard. Right, yeah. And this is um <clears throat> 
as opposed to this show Step Toe in Sun, uh, which they were working like I think in a oil in the oil business or something like that. But the point is they were they were these were white protagonists, right? But they were also pouring down their luck, right? But Sanford and Son hammed it up and made it really really funny, yeah. Versus step toe and fun and son was like a real fucking downer yeah and um and was actually good yeah. like it was it wasn't didn't rely <laughs> it was like on an important show <laughs> making a message about like a post-industrial society it, 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 we turned it into look at the funny black man in the junkie and, and all the funny the funny little catchphrases that they have like and it's it's A lot of these ports, the Americanization of them, require a bunch of lightening up. Yeah, I I think an exception to that, though, would be the one that I think of when I think of those kinds of ports is The Office. And I did watch both, the original on BBC and then the the American version. I think they both have their uh, uniqueness. But I think it held pretty true. I think maybe it's just I would, it's as a little less cringeworthy than the British one. The British one really puts you through the ringer watching that. Yeah, American one again a little softer on that regard. But I would say maybe it's just a, a feature of us all kind of getting closer together uh, culturally. You know, yeah. where Britain used to be this far away place <laughs> that we right. couldn't really associate with. I feel like. Even if you haven't been there, I think as a whole, we know more about it. Um, yeah. And to the, even to the point, countries we don't have that close a relationship to, say, Russia, mm-hmm. um, they're at the point now, like we did some research, as you remember, they are recreating a bunch of, apparently the it's the 90s, right? Or having like a real moment over mm-hmm. in Russia, the American 90s, that is. Yes. Um, and they are like recreating... Some of our television shows from the 90s. Married with Children is huge. They have their own version of Married with Children. They made... Ed Bundy was an export of ours. Mm -hmm. We can proudly say that now. Yeah. Uh, But that's so strange to me. Uh, Yeah. Like, like whatever was happening culturally culturally in the 90s is, you know, happening enough over there in Russia now. In that same way that that TV show rings true for them now. Yeah. And, you know... The sincerest uh, form of flattery is uh, making an outright copy of something, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Thanks, Russia. We're, we're very flattered. So now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. And by everyone, I mean your favorite segment. It is, it is my favorite segment of the uh, of this show because this is, this is the time where Maddie reads a page from my fifth grade journal. Your very, very important fifth grade journal. It's very special and important. And I say just the, a day in the life of Tom, you can learn so much. And, and you know, this journal was meant for me. But, um, but I think, I think uh, that sending it out onto the Internet, into the ears of countless numbers of people, I think you can learn a lot. By countless, you mean that we can't count because there are none. Yes. Well, you could count, but you yeah. it would be a quick count. Very, very fast It'd count. It would be a fast count. But they are, But I just, I think... Um, You're sharing them with me. Mm-hmm. I have learned a lot via yeah. your journals. I think um, I've gotten a little bit of a sense on who you were as little Tom. Yeah. Um, and I think I know a lot about why you're the way you are now via these journals. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to learning more today. And without further ado, All right. I think I'm ready to read. So 
Give me, uh, this one is from, looks like June 3rd, 1992. 1992. Journal entry number 25 for yep. those keeping count. I guess I was 11. Okay. 11-year-old Tom. Yep. So today, I had an ice cream social for school. My mom gave the people toppings and things. <laughs> I showed my dad my classroom, and my teacher came in and showed us a tape about things our class did. Mm-hmm. There's a action-packed night. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to get a copy of that tape. Oh, um, man. I, yeah. I can only imagine what you learned about your activities. Yeah. After that, me and my dad had ice cream and listened to a chorus that came in. <laughs> this is just, they just piled it on this day. They sure did. It was just nonstop activity. Oh, just the, yeah. After that, we looked at our family photos. So you're at school, I guess your folks have brought in family photos? That or is this I don't home? understand. I think that means that... Because I think we've reached just about enough fun for this day, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing a family photo session in here might be a, a little bit much. I, I, I think we might have had... I think that we brought in family photos and displayed them in the classroom. And everyone okay. had a family photo. So it was part of the ice cream social. Yes. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Then my mom and dad voted, and I waited and fooled around by a tree. I, I don't know why they voted. <laughs> you don't know what they voted for? You don't know who they voted for? I, I guess it, they combined... Um, a, a, a Best voting. family goes to... <laughs> the, <laughs> the Hills! They sure do. <laughs> they combined the civic duty of, of voting for the president with the ice cream social. Get everybody to the, the space to do both things. I think this that's smart. This truly was a memorable day. A mm -hmm. lot occurred on this day. Yeah. Um, when we were driving home, I, <laughs> I found two ants and a little bug on me. Yeah. Probably, Tom... <laughs> Because of the time you were fooling around by the tree. I bet that's when it was. Do you want to know what lives in trees? Yeah, bugs. And ants. And I learned that that day. Then we were in our driveway. I felt my back and I felt a squishy long bug. Yep. You were just rife with insects. I was, I don't know. I must have just been like hugging that tree and, and crawling all you around You took it. fooling around quite literally I in this sure situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were a filthy child. And you probably, knowing children as well as I know children, you had ice cream all over you from the social, right? I bet my face was covered in ice cream. Covered in cream. ice cream. Like you, there were just ants everywhere. My, my, my sticky hands covered in dirt. The fact that your dad let you back in the car yes. is a testament to how good a father he was. No, he was a great guy. He is a great guy. They're, still still, still alive. <laughs> We will confirm here and now Tom's yeah. father I, is alive. I talked to him today. All right, fine. Yeah. We're good. Then my dad said it was a furry caterpillar, and it was. The end. The end. That's a period. That's a hard stop that's on it. Tom's journal entry. That's my day. So, I mean... I don't even know how to break this one down. They're just so <laughs> Maddie, many. what did you learn from this particular entry? Wash up before hanging around near trees, okay. first and foremost. Yeah. Um, always have a partner or a buddy around that can check you for insects mm -hmm. uh, after you leave any wooded area. Yeah. Uh, I think those are the big things. Find out who you're voting for and yeah. what you're voting for. Be informed. Be informed. Do your yeah. research. Um, don't just put out there that you're just going to go get some voting done and yeah. hope everything's going to work out. Exactly. Look, look how that turned out for us this year. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think what we learned today is that there's a lot of stuff out there that um, – is able to reach audiences um, outside of a country or a region. 
Um, there's all kinds of things that you'd never expect people to grab onto, but they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them for worse, you know, some of them we get wrong. Um, yeah. For every bloom and onion, you've got a Hello Kitty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's other things that we do um, pretty well and that we stick pretty close to it. And there's just, it's neat when we've got these things that start off in one country or one area or appeal to a group of people, a movie, a TV show, a food. Other people experience it and just kind of get it in a whole new way and a whole new meaning, even though it hasn't changed itself. Maddie, I have nothing to add. That was amazing. <laughs> that was a really good summary. I mean, we just need to be succinct with these, right? Yeah. We're trying to keep it uh, concise and easy to understand for the audience. Yeah, I'll say so. So so with that, I, uh, I've been Tom. And I've been Matt. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure.